0: I'm Hannah, I'm Sheena, and I'm Lori, and this is Cemetery Row. Woohoo! Yay! Welcome back, ladies. It show
1: is. Yes, good to be (laughs) here. Good to be here. So, we have business and housekeeping, and the first
2: thing we're going to do is pimp our girl Sheena out whoop whoop um so I hope you listen to this episode the day it comes out because if you don't you will probably miss this event um I am hosting a true crime tour at Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis um by the time this episode releases I will have done one of the in-person tours that sold out in like two days um but on June 8th let me double check this while I'm thinking about it. Like, what if I have the date completely wrong y'all? Cause that is, that sounds like me. Um, sounds June 8th, like <laughs> I'm doing a virtual version of this online tour. Um, and it's, I mean, obviously you can't see the whole thing because, you know, I'll be showing you things online, but I'm going to show you as much as I can. Um, and it's going to be all kinds of fun stories. Yes, it is June 8th. That's a Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central. Um, It'll be about an hour-long presentation full of um, Black Widows, one of which you've already heard about on this podcast, but you'll get to like see her grave and um pictures of her and all that good stuff on the online presentation i have um a couple of unsolved mysteries i have the tamale murders which is officially my favorite story that i have researched (laughs) Um, so yeah. So if you want to go to that, go to eventbrite.com, look up true crimes of bygone times an online presentation. Um, and, or if you're on Facebook, look up Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis and you'll see a link to it there. We've posted it on all our socials too.
1: Um, and we'll include a link to it again in our show notes. Yeah.
2: Please join me. It's going to be so much fun. And, and think about it, you'll get to see Elmwood and hear all these amazing true crime stories with zero Memphis heat, zero Memphis humidity, and exactly. zero Memphis mosquitoes. I think that's the one I'm going to
0: sign up for. Yeah,
2: for sure. <laughs> um, I'm already a little worried about walking in this heat because some of those hills to climb are a little gnarly. Yes. Um, Alma Thieve makes it difficult to get to her. <laughs>
1: god anyway she knew what she was doing
2: she knew she knew okay um what's your news
1: yeah so i have two fun um little pieces of news um the first one was a post that was shared to me by um friend of mine and follower of the pod miss vesper in kansas um We've been friends on on the Book of Faces for a while and she's wonderful and I love her. She also does art, so I'm gonna make her send me a link to her art. Um so we can pimp her out because she's yes, is please. hella talented and she's incredibly supportive of what we're doing. So I love her very much. And she sent me this great story um from Jason Baraz, the Oh pops,
2: yeah,
0: really pop.
1: Pop singer extraordinaire. Um, My favorite of his is I'm yours because it was my mom's ringtone for my dad for about a year. So as far as I'm concerned, that's their song and it makes me happy. Um, But he's just an all around good dude. And his parents are like us and like visiting cemeteries. Mm -hmm. So recently him and his parents went to the Woodland Cemetery in Henrico, Virginia, which is actually a predominantly African-American cemetery in Virginia. Um, and it is apparently Richmond's second largest African-American cemetery. So it's right outside of uh, Richmond, Virginia. So uh, they are needing volunteers. Um, so if you go to org, they're looking for volunteers. And as always, you know, you can toss these places some cash and they can always use it. Um, yep. So good for the Meraz family. Yeah. Bless your hearts. Yeah. I just love it. They cut grass. They did, you know, weeding and all of this stuff. So very special. And I loved that little bit of, you know, famous people helping out. And then, oh, one of my favorite cases that I am going to cover one day they're exhuming the Summerton man. Oh, I heard oh, this they too. Are?
0: I, That's yes. very exciting. I hadn't heard that. Oh, my gosh. Yes.
1: Last week, um, officials in uh, the name of the place that he's in, <laughs> I cannot pronounce Australian words Adelaide. <laughs> ah, there we are, Adelaide. So they are going to exhume him. And so hopefully, DNA evidence, um, they did find bones there. Um, so hopefully the bones are in good enough condition that, um, some DNA extraction can be done and we can figure out who this guy is. I have some theories, um, when I get to cover him one day, which, um, is going to definitely happen. I could talk for hours about the Somerton man. So that's exciting. So Good dudes and dead dudes. Yes. <laughs> um. Can we go back to your friend
2: Vesper? What a great yes. name. Yes. Yes. I love that name.
1: That's Vesper. Name. I love her. She is, she's fantastic. Um. She's the a single mother to a wonderful young man who is on the spectrum, um, who loves cats. Um, and he, they are both great human beings who I adore. So Aww. I'm going to make her, um, uh, let me pimp her art out because she's a very Absolutely.
2: talented artist yeah send us all the links we'll do that yes and now
1: I'm gonna bum you out <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah our theme this week is um monuments or memorials that have been erected in honor of tragic events which is sort of a mouthful but um I think we'll we'll too probably talk a little bit about some cemeteries i know i do but mm-hmm. yeah. um but yeah you know that's that's our theme for this week in a podcast full of three ladies who like to talk about dead people oh yeah, yeah. hannah
1: go first yes okay so there's a saying among safety professionals that says these regulations are written in blood so anytime you've complained about a safety regulation, remember somebody died because they didn't have that regulation. And the blood of 603 people who died during the Iroquois theater fire on December 30th, 1903, is part of that history in making our public spaces and working conditions safer and healthier.
0: Oh, I did not know it was that high. Yeah. 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 Oh Jesus.
1: 603. That's intense. Mm -hmm. Yes. This whole story is very intense. I'm just letting you know. Um, there are some parts where I'm going to just be like, when I was doing research, I like went full, like Donald duck rage. (laughs) Like I was like, I'm sorry. What the fuck? So, um, the, the one little sweet I will give you before I just launch into ruining your night um, (laughs) is that, and I know I've told the story before, but it's one of my favorite stories is when I did a ghost tour in Chicago, they took us to the alley where a lot of this occurred. And I was listening intently to the tour guide and I was like, Ooh, Oh my God, piles of bodies. Um, And a homeless man was taking a shit right next to us. I never get tired of hearing that i just completely Piles of bodies i was like oh my god a you theater fire and i was i was don't <laughs> in and as i was as we were walking away the group of girls i was with I was like did you see that man taking a shit i was like no yeah. i was paying attention i don't know how of
2: bodies ladies and gentlemen you Piles guys
1: were bodies. watching an unhoused man in an alley take a dump so i <laughs> My- you won that one. Exactly. <laughs> I paid for this tour. I did not pay to watch the man take a shit. Okay. <laughs> so the Iroquois theater was located at 24, 20, 24 to 28 West Randolph. So it took up four units oh, wow. um, on this uh, street. Randolph street. It's a really big street in the loop. Um, it's actually also the location of the very first taco bell to serve alcohol. Um, was on Randolph Street so Taco (laughs) Bell I'm telling you Taco Bell when they want to do really crazy shit they start with Chicago and I don't know why but I'm so excited about it (laughs) so which is between State Street and Dearborn Street Um, it's in a very downtown it's in the area called the Loop which is where the trains make the big loop we're very creative up here (laughs) Um, the Syndicate which does not have a name and any of the sources i read they just called it a syndicate which you know shit's fixing to get weird really real the syndicate that bankrolled its construction chose that location so it would attract women on day trips from out of town and they would feel more comfortable in this kind of really well policed area of chicago um chicago's kind of always had a rep Um, the theater opened on November 23rd, 1903 amid delays caused by labor unrest. Shocking. And the architect was suddenly and inexplicably unable to finish drawing up the plans. They, it was like he was leaving them on red. Like, they're like, we need you to finish drawing this, this, and this. And he was like, new phone. Who dis? <laughs> Whatever that was in 1903. That's what he was doing. <laughs> Theater critics at the time, though, hailed the opening as the most beautiful in Chicago, and competent judges state that few theaters in America can rival its architectural perfections. So it was a very pretty theater. It had a capacity of more than 1,600, which was not bad, Mm -hmm. with three audience levels. So similar to what you'll see in kind of refashioned old theaters, you have your floor seats, then you have your two mezzanines. Right. So that's basically what I had. And like with most theaters at that time, you would have an orchestra section um, down at the front where the the musicians would play. It was really fucking big. Um, it had a really big backstage area as well as dressing rooms on all five of the back of house floors. And there was an elevator to take the um, actors between the dressing rooms on each floor. And I'm just like a 1903 elevator I don't even like elevators now. (laughs) Yeah. One in 1903. I just don't even want to think about it. Right. In order to allow its well-to-do patrons to see and be seen, the theater only had one entrance and a common staircase to get to each level of the gallery, even though Chicago fire ordinances forbade this. So they just had one staircase that took you all the way up to the mezzanine
2: they wanted everybody to die. I mean, there's right? no way this
1: could go wrong. Yeah. Um, now if you've been to a sports stadium, if you've been to an arena, even uh, like I said, the repurposed theaters, mm-hmm. if you're up on the third floor, you have a special pathway. You go up to get on the third floor, right. you have your own exits, all of that. This is why. <laughs> yeah so and even then it was required that each audience balcony have its own stairwell they just didn't do it and because men who build things will absolutely never learn the owners advertise the theater as absolutely fireproof
0: oh jesus titanic anyone (laughs) right exactly i
1: don't know what it is i mean about men in general but especially (laughs) about men and like the edwardian victorian period like when we were in the very you know the captains of industry period yeah where they were just like tea bagging fate
2: <laughs> like
0: i
1: love that they were looking god dead in the eye and doing the jerk off motion
0: and it's like <laughs> guys oh, i love it guys tea bagging fate that's my dragon <laughs> we're putting that on a t-shirt can we please
1: I mean we don't even have to sell it i just want one that says right (laughs) right i'm gonna wear it to work meetings it'll be great (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh because tempting fate for personal gain is always a good idea you should always just put your balls right in fate's face and say try it." it never goes wrong the fire safety issues were not a surprise or a mystery. An editor of Fireproof Magazine, which was a thing what? that existed,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes,
1: okay. He used
0: to be a, re- a reporter for Fireproof
1: Magazine, he was an editor. He was a fucking oh, okay. editor. Okay, an editor.
2: Was, excuse me. <laughs> oh my god.
1: Fireproof Magazine. Wow. I don't know if it still exists, but if you're out there and I you still does. exist
2: thank you it for does. your service yes thank you very much now so, i have to google
1: <laughs> google it for me okay so um he toured the construction noted a lack of intake and draft shafts which is my drag name um <laughs> i also don't know what those are so i'm assuming uh you have to have them because he was upset that they did not um some of the reinforcements for the archways were exposed which is a no-no There was a lot of wood trim everywhere. Uh, Apparently wood burns. Um, Shocker. And there were, and this is important, insufficient exits. So a Chicago fire captain also noted no sprinklers, no alarms, no telephones, and no water connections, which leads me to believe there were also no toilets
0: oh my god and i find
1: there couldn't have been right right and i find that idea accompanied with 1903 fashions and hygiene standards absolutely horrifying you know people were shitting your their pants oh Oh, man man, no they were this theater must have smelled great oh i bet it was awesome and everyone was wearing wool (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) the fire captain brought his complaints to his superiors but told but was told there was already a fire warden looking at this building, so he didn't need to worry about it. Oh. So now we get into what their on-site firefighting equipment consisted of. Now, those of us who've worked in an office building or been in any building know you have to have a certain number of fire extinguishers per square foot. Mm -hmm. This theater had six fire extinguishers. They were called Killfire, which is a pretty good name. Mm-hmm. I like that. That sounds very punk rock. Except for it didn't fucking work. Well, true. Killfire was a form of dry chemical extinguisher that was also sold for dousing chimney fires in residential homes, which means it should definitely work in a theater. It consisted of a two by 24 inch tube made out of tin filled with three pounds of powder, mostly sodium bicarbonate it was two large pringles cans with (laughs) baking soda
2: oh and if we haven't learned anything from my favorite murder lately it's that you can't put baking soda on a fire Mm -hmm. right only grease fires i think even then i think you're not supposed to oh that's how i've always done it i haven't burned myself down yet we'll see me either i don't remember they had a big Drama about it here a while back, and I don't remember now what it was, and I should remember because they repeated it like five
1: thousand times.
2: Uh, oh my lord! Well, the
1: instructions on this glorified Pringles can with baking soda <laughs> was to forcibly hurl the contents of the tube at the base of the fire. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just that visual is worth it. So mm. you pick
1: up <laughs> your three-pound Pringles can of baking soda and you throw it at the fire. And
2: they had six of
1: these for a five-story building.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One that could fit 1,600 people. They wanted people to die. (laughs) Nonetheless, on December 30th, 1903, the theater presented a matinee performance of Mr. Bluebeard. A burlesque take on the Bluebeard story. Ooh, and i here for it. <laughs> I desperately need to see this play. Yeah, for sure. I desperately need to see it. However, not only was the theater sold out, the theater also sold standing room tickets.
0: Of course they did.
1: <laughs> Meaning patrons could pay a reduced rate to stand in the aisles. What could go wrong? Yeah if you even put your elbow in the aisle in a movie theater, now you'll get smacked by an usher, but okay. <laughs> like these
2: are the, you know, when not trying to speak ill of the dead, when <sighs> these people who created this building and all of these quote unquote safety features died, they were reincarnated into the plague rats that we're dealing with now in COVID. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I fully they clearly don't care about safety protocol
1: that whoever was behind this, they're uh. a, uh, progenitor or their descendants are not wearing masks and harassing Starbucks employees about it yeah mm. all in all there were roughly 21 to 2200 patrons in the building Help. a building oh my capacity god of 1600
0: oh where were they all standing
2: really like, seriously <laughs> that's is, intense and that, that sounds is, like a miserable audience to be in that's at least a third
1: more than should have been in the crowd
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (sighs) and that's not counting the actors the stagehands right all of the back of house people so right oh and if that weren't bad enough many of the patrons were children oh no because a burlesque show calls for an audience full of children People talk about how lewd our modern entertainment is. But in 1903, they were letting kids see burlesque shows. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you. Well. So at 3.15 p.m., a blue tinted arc light. It was supposed to be a night scene. So they had a blue film over this arc light sparked and cut the muslin fabric curtains above the stage on fire. A stagehand tried to douse the flames with a glorified baking soda gun, but the fire quickly spread to the painted canvases stored in the fly. So the fly is, it's where the phrase on the fly comes from, but it's where they keep the props, the backgrounds, all of that on wires above the stage so they can drop them down. Right. Um, so that's where, you know, the phrase, well, we'll do this on the fly. It's from those, the fly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, drops down the props until it's time to drop them on the stage of course these props and backgrounds were painted with highly flammable materials because everything until 1995 was flammable as fuck (laughs) (laughs) i saw on tiktok where people did not understand why kids pajamas had you know the this yeah. is not flammable warning. I'm like, because our little asses got caught on fire in the 80s
0: <laughs> because yeah, we idiot. stood
1: too close to the furnace vent. Okay. Yep. Like everything was flammable until very, uh-huh. very recently. Right? Yep. Even baby clothes. We didn't <laughs> care. Was it cheap? Was it cute? Off you go. <laughs> so the baking soda bomb, of course, did fuck all. So the stage hands drop an asbestos blanket. Oh, down on the fire. Yes. Asbestos. 1903 was not for the week. And honestly, that is why asbestos is in or was in so much shit is because it was fireproof to a relative degree. They just didn't realize it would give you really fucking bad cancer, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) like almost immediately. Right. So we're learning. This is a learning process. So this trapped air on the stage, so that's basically how fires work is it gets that oxygen coming into it, creates a fireball, mm-hmm. which jets out into the audience. It set it on fire, the orchestra and the dress circle. So about 50 feet out into the audience and everything that was flammable caught on fire, including the patrons. Eddie Foy, who was an actor in the production, and he was a pretty popular vaudeville actor, attempted to calm down the crowd, but soon panic erupted, as it does. Dancers, stagehands, and back-of-house people fought to get through the rear exit and even went through dressing room windows. People in the lower level of the gallery could escape to that main staircase. There's that main staircase again. Mm-hmm. But the interior level, uh, the interior lower level, so between the orchestra and between the outside doors, you got this little spot in between. Then you got the upper levels, and they were, for lack of a better term, fucked. The lower level patrons who escaped the fireball on stage were now crushing to get down the lone staircase. And the upper level patrons who tried to flee found themselves stopped by metal grates meant to keep folks from the cheap seats from moving into the more expensive section. Oh, no. And this was 1903 metal. This was not playing around metal. Right. Oh. The largest death toll was on these steps with victims trampled, crushed, or asphyxiated. Mm. When I tell you that this is for me, like the absolute worst possible way to die. Yeah. <laughs> like this yeah. is the fucking worst possible way to die. The locks on the gates were called bascule locks. And when I tell you I Googled up, down, and sideways to figure out what the fuck a bascule lock is, I have no clue. Mm -hmm. This case is the only time it is mentioned, which leads me to believe they figured out it kills people and we probably shouldn't do it.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: The locks, what I could find, it's like. A flap comes over and then some other flaps go over it. It's looked very confusing. So, I mean, if I were in a panic fleeing from a fireball, I would not be able to open this lock. Yeah. So they were unfamiliar to many patrons and the ushers were refusing to open the gates. Because, of course. Yes. A local bar owner and hero, Frank Hausman, was familiar with the locks because... His ice shed had these locks, because you got a bar, you can't be having Mm -hmm. people in your ice shed. And he was able to break break through and open a gate and get people out. Patrons busted through doors, undid door hinges, and crashed through vents, only to find door, false doors, so doors that went nowhere, and vents sealed shut. Many times, doors leading to the outside opened inwards, creating a crush of humans struggling to get through. So imagine that you're trying to go into a door that goes outside, but it opens in. You're not getting through that fucking door. I... There's 500 people trying to get through that door. It's just yeah. not going to stay open. At one point, they broke a window and created a gangplank to shimmy over to the next building. Those who made it to the sparse and unfinished... Fire exits faced a choice, jump or burn. As people kept jumping, a pile of bodies began to build in the bitter cold Chicago winter. This is December 30th, it's cold as fucking balls up here. Right. Yeah. The theater had no fire alarm box or telephone, as we discussed. So the fire department was alerted by a stagehand who had run from the building. The fire department arrived at 333, which is kind of a big thing in a cult, which I Mm -hmm. thought was interesting, but by then there was little they could do. The alleys by the theater were filled with smoke and so full of ice that the best thing they could do was just try to rescue those who were on the fire escapes. They couldn't get in the building. They couldn't do anything. They could just try to get ladders up to the people who were on fire escapes. All told... 575 people died at the theater, with another roughly 30 succumbing to their injuries in the following weeks. The fire eclipsed the great Chicago fire, in which 300 people perished. The outcry from the community was fierce, with many suspecting bribery and other political shenanigans. And this being Chicago, they had a good reason to suspect it. If this happened in this day and age, people would still be like, yeah, somebody, had, somebody was doing something. Mm-hmm. City officials, including the mayor and theater management, were put on trial, but quickly acquitted. Big cities in the early 1900s kinda sucked. One would hope we would immediately see the tragedy and find smart, sustainable solutions to prevent it from ever happening again, and one would not be at all familiar with Western society and capitalism in general. (laughs) We have to kill a lot of people before we start giving a shit. And when we do fix it, we're pretty stupid. But uh-huh. there were some improvements. The Air Corps fire prompted widespread implementation of the panic bar. Panic exit devices are now required by building codes for high occupancy uh, spaces. So you've seen them. If you press the bar, this door will sound. Or my mm-hmm. favorite is um, somebody, the, stein- the sign said, this door is alarmed. And somebody put a post-it of what startled it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I do love and there's something in my like raccoon brain that whenever I see that there's my brain goes push the door and I'm like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get like banned from this establishment shut the fuck up Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're not doing that but my little (laughs) raccoon brain just itches and goes, let's do it let's (laughs) go I've never done it please don't do it (laughs) right (laughs) the second result was of the fire was the requirement that asbestos fire curtain Jesus Christ (laughs) <laughs> or sheet metal, which is better, be raised before each performance and lowered afterward to separate the audience from the stage. So if some shit goes down in one side, it's not going to affect the other.
2: Right.
1: The third result was that in all public buildings, doors must open in the direction of egress, meaning if you're going out, the door opens out. If you're coming in, the door opens in. However... <laughs> that practice did not become a national policy until the Collinwood school fire of 1908. Mm. I did not look up the Collinwood school fire because by then I was already very depressed, but <laughs> I do not like hearing the words school and fire in the no, same phrase. Right? So I only assume it was a dead baby Palooza and I am do not want to know about it. <laughs> okay. She did. Don't make that face at me.
0: Dead baby Palooza
2: okay i need a shirt of that too (laughs) (laughs) okay
1: okay. anyway continue so in 1912 laredo taft who made eternal silence my favorite cemetery statue um and i'm just gonna have to do a whole episode on him because he has created some really beautiful works in chicago specifically and they're wonderful so he created a beautiful bas relief bronze plaque in city hall and it's gorgeous it is just it's so pretty it reminds me of like um the frescoes you would have at like cathedrals where there's like 20 million things going on but it all is like cohesive it's really pretty it spent some time at the air corps memorial hospital on what is now air on now wacker drive which was a hospital built to honor the victims of the fire um but that building was demolished in the 50s and so they moved it to city hall back to city hall. Um, it hung out at the LaSalle drive, uh, entrance to this, to city hall for a little while. And then they rededicated it. Um, and a memorial was held every year until the last of the survivors passed away, um, Aww. which I believe was actually in like the early two thousands.
2: Right. Wow.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this happened in 1903, so it would be about yeah. 90, a hundred. So, yeah. you know, it's possible. Oh, um, Five years after the fire, Andrew a uh, founder of the Montrose Cemetery, which is a very pretty cemetery here in the city, also erected a memorial um, on his, the grounds of his cemetery to memorialize the tragedy. And it's very, it's also very beautiful. It's kind of a um, square, but put kind of on the side. So it's like a diamond um, and it's granite and it has the inscription. It's also, it's very, very pretty. Um, and I'll include photos of both of those. Cause the, um, the bass relief plaque is, oh my God, it's so pretty. Uh, Laredo Taft is just a genius. It's gorgeous. There's like a mother holding her child. There's, there's so many details and it's bronze and I love bronze. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been well cupped. So it's absolutely beautiful. And like I said, I'm definitely going to be doing an episode about Laredo Taft because he's just amazingly talented. After the fire, the Iroquois Theater, because the ac- the exterior of the building pretty much was okay, the inside was a fucking wreck, but the exterior was okay, um, was renamed and reopened as the Colonial Theater just a year later in 1904. When I tell you people in this city don't fear death, they don't. <laughs> I have Apparently been, not. I have been driving in the city, uh, all this week, um, getting to and from my new place and they just, they're just, they it's in God's hands and they just let it go. <laughs> and I'm just like, you, you guys are insane people, but Chicagoans, I love you. So you just, you just don't fear anything. And I, I love it. It remained active until that building was demolished in 1925 In 1926, the Oriental Theater was built on the site. It was a different time. Yeah. And in 2019, finally, the Oriental Theater was renamed the Nederlander Theater, which I don't know that that rolls off the tongue any better. No.
2: Um,
1: um, but it is still there. Um, it's still in a very popular part of Chicago uh, across from the Chicago Theater, interestingly enough. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, so we have, you know, every time I hear people bitch about, well, is the regulation or that regulation or what yeah. kind of idiot needs to be told not to do this. Somebody died. So that's mm-hmm. why you have to do it. That's true. I know it costs extra money. I know it might be a pain in the ass, but somebody died. Um, so yeah, and then nobody was ever held to account for it. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. So that is the Iroquois theater fire
2: you're welcome <laughs> um good job hannah oh yeah <laughs> in in all of that darkness you gave us some um, memorable quotes and yes. phrases there yes. so um
1: that is what i'm here for
2: <laughs> i know that's why i've remained friends with you for the last like 20 years just because you say funny things i'm kidding <laughs>
1: Every time we go on vacation together, Sheena back in the early days of Facebook would do like a post that included every dumb thing I said while we were on vacation.
2: I still do that. Anytime (laughs) I hang out with my friends, I start a quote wall and -hmm. I just keep it now in the notes section on my phone, but I'll go Mm -hmm. back to them later and like read them off to like Spencer or somebody and be like, do you remember this time you said... Ooh, that three dollar car wash looks fancy because he <laughs> said that once he was like can we go to the three dollar car wash and i'm oh like no God. we're on the way to a party no spitzer baby <laughs>
0: oh he's a precious little bird
2: okay am i going next lou who or is yeah, it
0: yeah yes you can go ahead and go okie
2: okay, dokie um so we are going from depressing <laughs> theater fires to depressing plane crashes yeah <laughs> You know, um, a lot of my favorite musicians and celebrities have died in plane crashes, and they bum me out, um, like Otis Redding and Patsy Klein, Stevie mm-hmm. Ray Vaughan. Of course, um, everyone knows The Day the Music Died. Buddy um, Holly. Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper, um, and Aaliyah, and yes. so many other awesome people. Um, but... Um, the band I'm going to talk about today is not necessarily one of my favorites, but it is one that I grew up with. Um, and Are we doing Skinnered? We're doing Skinnered. Skinner'd. <laughs> <laughs> ah! um, shout out to my mom because she found this story. There is a publication down here in Mississippi called Today in Mississippi. It's a little oh, monthly boy. magazine mm-hmm. and all of the um, power companies contribute yeah. to it you know what I'm talking about Lori mm-hmm. yeah um I I feel like a 90 year old lady when I read it because <laughs> it's full of recipes and sometimes they'll ask you to send in pictures of your cat wait is like it that. like electric co-ops yeah because Arkansas yeah. has the same thing yeah It is probably we
1: were part of an electric co-op and we got the co-op magazine every month and yeah. it was always like nanny's possum pie and yeah then yeah graduated from high school
2: yeah yeah I mean um I've gotten some good recipes out of it, <laughs> I have to say, but there, a recent issue featured um, a story on the monuments that were put up um, in honor of the Skinner plane crash, and it's a fascinating story, and my mom was like, oh my God, you got to read this, so that's what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. So, awesome.
2: Um, picture it, Gillsburg, Mississippi. You don't know where that is. I don't know where that is, but trust okay, me when but I say- Okay, before we go on, yes.
1: everyone- we all have one, whether we want to admit it or not. What's everyone's favorite Skynyrd song?
2: Um, I clogged to Give Me Three Steps <laughs> as a middle schooler. <laughs> so mine's probably Give Me Three Steps. But I also, there are other ones I like too. I really like Simple Man. Um, I like Simple Man too.
0: My favorite is
1: um, Tuesday's
2: Gone.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
2: Lou? There was another Sim- one.
0: Simple Man's probably my favorite. Yeah.
2: Really pretty. There was another one that I listened to. What's your name? That one oh, too. That's a one. that one. Look, um, like I said, they're not my favorite. But then I'd listen to their greatest hits, and I'm like, crap! I grew up with this. They're, this it, it rocks. Yeah, some of it. They're
1: neo-Confederate stuff. trash.
2: You know, and then I've read, <laughs> and then I've read some stuff too because people will argue about oh, this yeah. band online. that the record company pushed them to do all of the confederate flag memorabilia that they really weren't into it and i'm like i can sort of see that because they're from florida and to me florida is not part of the south floridians don't come at me but florida you are your own entity yes i don't consider florida southern the
1: one thing um and i actually it is something that i never had thought about um but it um A music historian that I follow on TikTok, of course, um, talked about how in Sweet Home Alabama, which they're from Florida, Alabama was not their exactly, yeah, um, and that it was an answer to Neil Young's Mm -hmm. Southern Man, which was making a point about shit that was going on in the Mm -hmm. in the South. Y'all know. Have you watched the news lately? It's basically that, um, yeah, just with different technology, um. So but about a significant part of Sweet Home Alabama where they say in Birmingham they love the governor. Well, the capital is not Birmingham. Yeah. Birmingham is where they blew up the church and killed three little girls. Mm-hmm. So yep. whether or not that is a connection or not, it's specious. Yeah. Um, so I I had never thought about it that way, honestly. And so when I heard that, I was like, oh, oh, you have a point there. So, Leonard Skinner's complicated.
2: They are, like, and I've read too much that like they all of the
1: South. It's
2: very complicated, yeah. and I've read stuff too, and I don't remember what their argument is, but that they were actually supporting Neil Young. Right, they were like, no, we're supporting what he's saying, and that's all. I don't know. I seen that Well, their listeners was, misunderstood it. By you know, exactly. Yes. <laughs> and so either way, either way, they were a band. They existed. We exactly. will get to their details in a moment, but yes, there
1: your Leonard going to discourse with your mama.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. I'm just talking. To, I'm, I'm mostly focusing on the monuments that were erected for these guys, because this yeah. is, this is a really an incredible story. In my opinion, um, what these guys did to honor the tragedy. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Gillsburg, Mississippi is um, the Southwest side of mississippi below jackson closer to louisiana okay um so again picture it gillsburg um, october 20th 1977 <laughs> the
1: middle of fucking nowhere yeah
2: literally <laughs> literally um swamp it's a lot yeah. of swamp um twilight is ending so it's really becoming dark outside and a plane carrying the southern rock band leonard skinner crashes into a wooded swampy area in south mississippi near louisiana six people including three band members and the plane's two pilots died another 20 survived but were seriously injured and this is a time when there's no cell phone no super Mm -hmm. close hospital no super easy way to get help So these plane crash survivors must rely on these local yokel Mississippians uh, for help. And over 40 years later, these local men would band together to erect monuments to the tragic plane crash. So who is Leonard Skinner? We just sort of went over this. <laughs> um, they were, they were a Southern rock band from Jacksonville, Florida. If you don't know Sweet Home Alabama or Freebird, I mean, come <laughs> on, everyone knows Freebird, yeah. right? Yeah. What's your name? Give me three steps. That smell, which is my least favorite <laughs> of their songs. That's about uh, a heroin addiction. Yeah. Yes. I will get to that in a second. Okay. <laughs> yes. And then, yeah, Simple Man was never released as a single can you all believe that? Yeah, I know it it's so crazy. Right. Yeah, but I mean I I know it. So either way. Um in 2004, Skinnerd was ranked at number 95 in Rolling Stone's 100 greatest artists of all time. Okay. Well, okay. That's a choice. Um that's rude of me to say.
0: But and then 90, in, 95, I mean it's I not mean, like yeah. they were number- True number five or anything (laughs) at this
1: point they were looking at the billboard charts and going "Eh, that one (laughs) yeah (laughs)
2: um and they were inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2006 and to date they have sold more than 28 million records in the united states
1: okay so this is gonna sound mean do you think if they hadn't have had that tragic backstory that people would still give a shit well we're gonna get to
2: some of that Okay, okay, good. A little bit, just a little bit. Me and Sheena, Wavelength, we're on it. Um, So the band is at the height of their fame in the 70s, especially in 1977, when this plane crash takes place. Um, As I said, the plane crash happens on October 20th of 1977. And just three days before the plane crash, they just released a new album called Street Survivors. And the original cover photo for this album features the band surrounded by flames Ooh. and the biggest hit off that album or a big hit is that smell a song about overdosing and it contains the lyric and he repeats it over and over. The smell of death surrounds you. Yeah. Um, Our
1: cool. so s- man was like, fuck.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> we get to that too. <laughs> Um, so Skinner was traveling from a show in South Carolina to a show in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on October 20th. They're traveling on a Convair CV240. This plane is about 30 years old. It's not In the Mm
1: seventies? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Uh Okay.
2: Oh my God. Um, they discovered later that Aerosmith had planned to take this same plane on their 1977 tour and they considered it unfit. Um, this was the last flight that was supposed to, this was supposed to be the last flight that Skinner would take on this plane, right. um, because they didn't trust the plane either. Um, but it was not actually okay. the plane's fault oh. that it crashed. The plane actually ran out of fuel.
1: Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Um,
2: <laughs> and so, as I said, I mean, the, the, everything that is in the, um, or everyone that's in the plane is the band members, they have a couple of family members, they have a couple of um like tour roadie type guys, mm-hmm. crew members, and then the pilots. And once the pilot Walter McCreary realized that they were running out of fuel, he tried to navigate to a nearby airport, but he soon realized they wouldn't make that so he tried to land in an open field about 300 yards from where the plane actually went down. It was about 650 in the evening when the plane skimmed about 100 yards along the top of a tree line before smashing into a large tree and that splintered the plane into pieces.
1: Yeah. In late October, you can't see shit that late at night.
2: Yeah. So, lead singer and founding member Ronnie Van Zant was 29. He was killed in the crash. Um, his guitarist and vocalist Steve Gaines, 28, was killed. Mm. Uh, Steve Gaines' sister, Cassie, who was the band's backup singer, was 29. She was killed. And then, as I said, the two pilots Walter McCreary and William Gray died and so did the band's assistant road manager Dean Kilpatrick Mm -hmm. the 20 remaining passengers uh, were mostly sitting in the back of the plane most of the people who died were up front right Um, they suffered all kinds of really traumatic injuries um, broken bones and then some basically Mm -hmm. a local rescuer recalled that when he got out there everyone was covered in blood um, a man who was part of the band's concert crew named Mark Howard survived, but he, in the last 40 years has had 17 hip replacements. Oh, man. Um, oh. he had such a bad head injury too, that, um, the doctors told his family, they didn't really expect him to survive. And that if he did, he wouldn't be right. Oof. Meaning, you know, mentally he right. would not yeah. be where he was before, which he's t- fine now. oh the 70s yeah (laughs) so this plane crashes in the middle of nowhere mississippi right um some people saw the plane flying low and so they saw or heard the crash Mm -hmm. but news manages to spread pretty quickly so a lot of local people just went to help and it's like this whole tiny area banded together um Some of the men that helped include Dennis Wilson, not the Dennis Wilson of the Beach (laughs) Boys, Um, just a local Mississippi man named Dennis Wilson, Bobby McDaniel and Dwayne Easley. Uh, Dennis Wilson later said he wasn't familiar with the band when it happened. And and I'm not sure that anyone knew that it was Leonard Skinner. Right. That news did get out quickly and eventually they did get a couple of looky-loos, but um, they kind of didn't care. They were like, these people need help. Right. So the authorities get out there and really it's a couple of like rescuers and then really just a bunch of just local men. Mm. Um, They have to cross a 20 foot wide waist deep creek and dig through overgrown forest to get to the crash site and to the survivors. Their vehicles got stuck in the mud. I mean, you can just imagine. Um, these folks just did what they could. Mm-hmm. Some loaded them into the survivors into the back of pickup trucks to take them to hospitals. Um, a local volunteer firefighter named Jamie wall said, I remember I found someone on the ground alive. When I walked to the other side of the plane, I tripped on another person. Mm. And then later they said that some folks were out directing traffic around right. the site, Um, Some people went home and got their tractors because, you know, maybe the tractors could help Mm -hmm. haul people out. Um, Someone said their wife was at home on a CB radio. So he was talking to Mm -hmm. her, like trying to all get messages around. So it's just, I thought it was really touching that. That's how country folks do. I mean, that's (laughs) Mississippi for you. When we see a problem, we go fix it. And so they really helped these guys live basically yeah. had these, had these people not helped the first responders. Cause I can't imagine there were that many first responders in the area anyway. Oh yeah. At the time. So, um, it's just really incredible that they went out there. They saw some people needed help and they didn't care that they were. Who they were or What
1: they were. Right. Yeah. Just go out and get them.
2: So fast forward 42 years after the crash, October, 2019, The Leonard Skinner monument is erected and open to the public about 800 yards from the actual crash site. The monument exists thanks to um, Easley, McDaniel, Wilson, and other members of the Leonard Skinner Memorial Project Board. Um, for years, these guys and other people who helped um, rescue the survivors would get together at the crash site on the anniversary. And they'd always talk about ideas of putting up some kind of marker. Mm-hmm. So Easley and his wife donated some land. They created a GoFundMe account to raise money for the project. And then surviving members of Leonard Skinner chipped in too, to Good. provide some money for it. And y'all, I, I am a sucker for a good monument y'all know me Mm -hmm. Uh, i just it's a religious experience when i see a good tombstone and these aren't tombstones they're markers but still right so these are 14 it's three 14 foot wide eight foot tall granite monuments with drawings of the band etched in um like Steve Gaines and Cassie Gaines, their portraits are on there with their dates. Mm-hmm. And then Ronnie Van Zant and Dean Kilpatrick Yay. is on there. Um, there's a photo of the band with the plane. It's stunning. It is awesome. so pretty. Um, and of course, uh, there's also some history of the band and some information on the plane crash etched right. in, as well as the lyrics to a Free Bird. <laughs> if I leave here tomorrow, would you still remember me is on one monument. And the other one says, cause I'm free as a bird now. And this bird, you cannot change.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and what I thought was kind of sweet, um, cause I, I love being a fan. I love when fans do fan things, um, over the years, Skinner fans, a few of them have like traveled just out there anyway, right. and they've like carved memorials into trees around the site. Oh. So like there's someone has carved in like free bird in a plane in a tree out there. Um, I was about to say, if they cross a free bird in a plane, I'm like, no, no, that's, no, no. I'm in a tree. That's rude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, but there is a really pretty nice. bird. Oh, I do get to a pretty bird in a minute. Okay. <laughs> All the things. Anyway, uh, Mark Howard. Um, who I mentioned earlier is having survived all those hit, mm-hmm. re- uh, survived the crash and then had all hit replacements. He actually returned to the scene of the crash at the 40th anniversary. This is before the monuments mm-hmm. were erected. And he carved his name into a tree, which I thought was nice.
1: Well, good for him. Uh, State
2: Representative Becky Curry out of Brookhaven, Mississippi, was a nursing student at the time of the crash and she was working at a hospital. Um, so she knew a lot of the guys who were bringing in survivors Mm -hmm. and therefore she still kept in touch with these guys who were working to erect the monuments so um once they got the monuments up she helped pass a bill to put exit sides on interstate 55 alerting motorists to the monument um from what i've seen and i mean keep in mind these have been up since late 2019 everything stopped in 2020 right um, but from what I've seen online, the monument sees about forty or fifty visitors a day, with up to a hundred on the weekends.
1: Okay.
2: And fans from forty-five states and eight foreign countries have visited the monuments. Oh, neat! They are thinking about expanding the site and opening a small Skinnerd museum. Okay. So going back to the band, what happened after this crash? Well, Street Survivors, which as I said had just been released became their second platinum album and steve gaines widow teresa requested that the fiery album cover be replaced yeah so the record yeah. label replaced that which i thought was appropriate I think they that's inst- a good taste yes um they replaced it with a photo of the band with an all-black background of course if you buy the 40th anniversary deluxe edition or whatever it is it, it contains the original photo right but- Either way. So the band was basically over. I mean, they lost two of their biggest members. Ronnie
1: Van Zant is like legendary.
2: Ronnie Van Zant was Skinnered in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, But Ronnie Van Zant's younger brother, Johnny, eventually reformed the band and took over his brother's place as lead vocalist and songwriter. I know I saw them on tour when I was a wee bit Mm -hmm. um, in the 90s. Yeah. and i know um they released that or they announced a farewell tour in 2019 and that same year they released a live album uh called blast of the street survivors so yeah they sort of wrote on that a little bit
1: yeah i mean i mean i remember but, just growing up in the south like every state fair you could count oh, on yeah. them being there
2: yeah for sure that's where i saw them i think yeah um and you know i'm i'm not knocking them i think they were good but i i do wonder yeah did the crash help right um whereas something like the Almond brothers i feel like their music stands on its own and yeah. you don't necessarily think oh god to have the been tragedy yeah. yeah which that's a whole nother story we should cover sometime because the oh um, yeah Allman brothers uh band members graves at rose hill in make an
0: Sweet. oh wow
2: okay. oh i love those we like anyway, musicians in case you we like musicians <laughs> yes, and yes. i like cemeteries <laughs> yeah. and and that was another suggestion from my mom she's we were going through macon and she was like hey let's stop at this cemetery and see where the almond brother band members are right. buried and i'm like cool <laughs> it's the coolest cemetery ever oh my god anyway <laughs> okay but i want to go back very quickly um and talk about where Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, and Cassie Gaines are buried because their burial stories at their cemeteries are wild. Right. So, Ronnie Van Zant, Steve Gaines, Cassie Gaines are all were originally buried at Jacksonville Memory Gardens in Florida. (laughs) Cool, Florida. But in two thousand, someone this angers me to no end i i take great offense at someone who messes with this kind of stuff broke into steve gaine's grave and ronnie van zant's grave and disturbed the remains i remember this. yes i remember this oh my god i as someone who is so in love with cemeteries this just you do not mess with someone's grave Mm -hmm. unless you're trying to clean it you don't disturb you don't dig down you certainly don't touch remains that is beyond disrespectful you're gonna talk about the rumor right what is your rumor about what
1: Ronnie Van Zant was wearing in his coffin
2: oh I don't know Was that
1: oh uh, the rumor is that he was buried in a Neil Young t-shirt
2: see I've seen pictures of him at a concert where I think he's wearing a Neil Young t-shirt
1: yeah. And that was the, that was the thing is that they buried him in a Neil Young t-shirt as like a, a, a slight at Neil Young, but, yeah, but his like- wife said, first of all, a Southern mama is not letting her son get bar- buried, buried in, in a t-shirt, t-shirt. right? Like, um, no, ma'am. Um, but they said he was wearing a flannel shirt and jeans.
2: I can't help.
1: It's very Florida. This is not my place. It's very, yeah. They're from Jacksonville. Like you said, Florida is not the South. Jacksonville is absolutely the South. A hundred percent. I think
2: the only people who should know what he was buried in are his closest family members. And Right. Just his think, wife
1: and his mama both said was like,
2: I hate no, to say old. it. Right. I wonder if there was that much left to bury. I don't know.
1: I know. That Based on how things. bad
2: the plane crash was. Right. Right. I don't want to think about that. And no, I don't. Totally. Yeah. But apparently but,
1: his wife at the time did say that they did dress a body. Yeah. it was in flannel a flannel shirt and jeans
2: well i figure that's what someone was trying to determine when yeah. they mm-hmm. disturbed like, the because remains that wasn't
1: the first time their grave had been vandalized like it had been vandalized several times over the years
2: well i mean if you go look up pictures of that original um, memorial that is still up in Jacksonville Me- memory gardens like there's bottles of Jack out there and stuff yeah. like which I don't consider that vandalizing right um, no. I mean like they draw to left.
1: Morrison's grave so yeah you know. we've
2: all left bottles of whiskey for Faulkner haven't we yeah <laughs> just um, wait until I talk about a
1: grave in a couple of episodes <laughs>
2: <laughs> um but it still gets crazier from there Oh, boy. So, um, as I said, someone broke into Stephen Ronnie's graves. Uh, as far as I know, Cassie was not disturbed, and she is still buried there. Good for her. Um, but Van Zant was exhumed and removed, and his new burial plot was kept a secret.
1: Right. Fine. Because y'all can't act right.
2: Right. Nay, nay. <laughs> oh, no. Then- a random Craigslist ad pops up. Oh, God. For a listing for two plots with vaults adjacent to the late Ronnie Van Zant. Oh, Florida. Come on, y'all. These Florida's going to Florida. I swear. <laughs> these plots were located in Riverside Memorial Park, also in Jacksonville. The guy selling the plots said that the uh, plots originally belonged to his wife's parents, who later decided to be cremated. Jesus. Okay. So So if you're going to rebury, if you're if you're going to resell your land, your burial burial plots, you're going to do that on Craigslist. (laughs) Based on who's buried
1: next to them. Yes.
2: Which I like that. You didn't have to say that. It's not like they can talk. I know. And. (laughs) I, that makes me wonder about the legality of doing that because right. I mean you hold the deed to the land through the cemetery. Like, how are you then reselling it? I don't know. I need I know, to ask my cemetery in, friends this. In Arkansas, you
1: definitely can. You can sell a plot. You know, I just
2: I would think you would have to have the cemetery involved in some way,
1: but maybe not because you bought that land exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I remember, don't know. I just like, think that's BS. In Arkansas, a friend of mine's mom had passed away, and so somebody in their family basically like donated the plot and they just transferred and so in the cemetery well she was buried in a graveyard because it was connected to a church but yeah they had no involvement in it it was the person who owned the deed to that land and the only time that they from what i understood in arkansas the, the death rules are different state by state yeah they are was that the um the because it was a graveyard um, connected to the church. The church could, you know, throw a flag, yeah. but only in very specific circumstances.
2: Right. I just wonder about it. It's just, it's interesting to me. Yeah. So anyway, um Ronnie Van Zant's original tombstone is still up at okay. Jacksonville Memory Gardens. Um That's but he's a tough he-
1: one to say, isn't it? <laughs> I know like Memorial Gardens. Memory
2: Gardens. Damn it, Florida. Um, it's still up but you he, he does have a, a marker at uh his quote-unquote new cemetery riverside it looks like he's buried beside his parents who died much later on
1: oh okay um that's sweet
2: yeah and then as i said cassie is still at jacksonville memory and then steve um his ashes were removed from that cemetery and are now kept at a private location yeah um well, if good. you yeah Poor um cassie. i've seen I yeah, know um, i've seen a documentary called leonard skinner the last stop um it's up on youtube there is a link to it through the leonard skinner monument website because yes there is a leonard skinner monument website why they sell merch of i kind they of do. want merch don't yeah. know why i want it but just because um and I think I've seen another one or two documentaries that have been talked about, but the, the last stop documentary specifically focuses on the men who were there to help and they tell their firsthand stories. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's good. Um, And I will close this out with a um, quote from Wilson. I just thought this summed up the whole thing very Mm -hmm. nicely. He said, we were just country folks helping a few people that needed help. That's just what we do. Oh.
1: oh, I thought you were going to close it with a Leonard Skinner lyric, and <laughs> I, know. I was like, I you're
2: him be the podcast." But I will Free say though, <laughs> he he does have a really pretty bird. Ronnie Van Zant does on his new monument at his okay. new cemetery. It's really I'll pretty. I'll allow it. I'm uh, just. He, he I'm wrote sorry. the song. Listen, I, it. I I I I might have felt some feels <laughs> when I looked at pictures because I'm telling you, the monument, it, the, these monuments are. Sh- Ning I would I'm love to know to the artist one. who created them because they're yeah. beautiful but when I saw the whole if you if I leave here tomorrow will you still remember me on that one monument I'm like I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna no. cry I'm not gonna oh, cry yeah. for some rednecks right <laughs> but I almost cried for some rednecks okay
1: <laughs> the graduating class um two years before mine had Freebird as their class song so oh god <laughs> when we picked our senior class song we picked come down by bush what what Uh, okay look our options were time of your life by green day yeah which is a breakup song yeah it time of your life is the subtitle the title is good riddance
2: exactly Mm -hmm.
1: and the other one was here's to the night by eve six
2: (laughs) And I Ours, was like,
1: these are all, but we were like, we don't want an Aerosmith song and we true. don't want a Leonard Skinner song. Yeah. Because that's all anyone in our fucking redneck high school ever picked.
2: Ours was Metallica's cover of Bob Seeger's Turn the Page. Okay. I really like that. Though. And. I will say, I never cared for that song, either the Bob Seeger version or the Metallica yeah. version, until I was much older. Now I love both versions. Yes. Because I love both artists. But at the time, I was like, that's what you're picking. Like, yeah. I think that no. <laughs> stupid vitamin C song had came out that year, too. And I was like, yes. why don't we do the obvious? Look,
0: so I think ours, I can't remember if it was because it was either the vitamin c song or yeah. it was everybody's free to wear sunscreen yeah <laughs> one or the yeah. other i can't remember oh which my one it was god i
1: remember that
0: song that so, spoken word piece. yes yeah i can't remember which By it was one Baz of those lerman
2: two. the director <laughs> of moulin rouge yes look guys and, and recorded that
1: yeah the yeah. um the late 90s early 2000s were <laughs> an interesting yes time. they were awesome. i loved it I what did year did too. you graduate Hu? 2004.
2: I graduated in 02 and you were 01. Yeah. We're We're old. old. My 20th high school reunion should be this year.
1: Mine's next year. Do I go or do I not? (laughs) I'm not going. No. Unless my sister, me and my sister-in-law graduated together. So if she wants to go, I'll go with her. Yeah, but yeah. if she's not going, I'm not going. Mm-hmm.
2: The only reason I've considered going is because this would be the first one in 15 years that doesn't involve children. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, No they offense to you of parents. Yeah. Yeah. No offense to you parents, but I see your cute kiddos on Facebook. And I'm very well aware of how so-and-so doing. And what's wild too, is that like so many people I graduated high school with, their kids are now graduating from high school. Yes, oh my that's gosh. the thing. It's yes. because
1: in my hometown too, they start young. Yeah, 16 they are,
2: they're popping out babies. They were, exactly. yeah. I mean, a lot of people I graduated with were pregnant that year. Or, right. I or mean, got pregnant later that year or, or Exactly. I mean, whatever. You know,
1: my yeah. sister-in-law was yeah. a teenage parent Wild. so i mean that's why my nephew's like 21 and we're like fuck yeah um, but you know they so like literally classmates of mine who did not have babies in high school or having babies right after we got out and yeah. so now i'm like your kids are practically grown they are Please and they're why? like where's your baby and i'm like
2: i'm a to beat your ass that's where my, my baby mom- is." gets it's, asked that all the time oh god and i'm like mcduff is your grand cat okay exactly
0: just smile
2: and say this is my grand cat mcduff
0: it's nobody's and- it's nobody's fucking business that's what pisses me off too because yeah. nobody knows what someone's going through whether they're exactly. in a relationship or not it, they could be dealing with infertility mm-hmm. or miscarriages you know, stuff like anything. that and yeah. you don't ask that kind of shit Single right. people married people you just if they yeah. bring it up then you talk about it but mm-hmm. you don't right ask. and i have
1: three nephews and a niece that i basically helped raise
2: so
0: right.
1: i'm yeah. done
0: yes yes
1: <laughs> anyway that was a random rant that we got <laughs> onto. um leonard somehow- skinner brings out a lot of emotions and southerners and ex-southerners alike <laughs> For better yes. or worse um all right so yeah, now it, it is also gives me feelings Listen. about supernatural because there's that one episode Listen. where they play simple man and it gets me Listen. right in the feelings.
2: Mm-hmm. Supernatural was excellent at playing the perfect song at the perfect right? time.
1: Just like, it was
0: oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was now I need All to go right. watch Supernatural. Know, <laughs> okay, too. Lori, you're so <laughs> we're going from one plane crash to another. Oh All right. So um On September 19th, 1989, 156 passengers and 14 crew members were killed when UTA Flight 772, which flew a regular route from Brazzaville in the Republic of the Congo to Paris, exploded over the Tanier Desert in Niger 45 minutes after taking off. Oh. While the majority of the victims were of French Chadian or Cong- congolese, congolese origin yes there were also victims from 15 other countries including wow. the united states italy canada and great britain just to name a few oh wow so and do and, and i i spelled these names phonetically so i would not mess up so i'm hoping that i do not mess up after clever, uh, clever googling how to pronounce this guy's name so due in large part to the extraordinary extraordinary efforts of one man Guillaume Denoy de, de Saint Mark, the okay. son of one of the flight's victims, Jean henry Denoy de, de Saint Mark. We have one of the most visually stunning yet most remote tragedy memorials in the world. Oh, hmm. awesome. So, yes, yeah, so I'll tell you about. So, Guillaume was 26 when the incident occurred, and in an article published by the BBC in 2014, which is my main source. I used others, but this article is fantastic. It's going to be in the show notes, read yeah. it. If you want to know all of the details, cause it's awesome. Um, he recalled that he was stressed from work when his mother called, she was worried. She hadn't heard from his dad. There was no news about his flight. Um, and he brushed her off and he was like, I'm sure it's gonna, it's just delayed. And he realized soon after that, that something was wrong. The plane had disappeared somewhere between when it stopped in Chad to its final destination of Paris. And at the uh, airport, it was only listed as, as delayed. Um, People had to listen to the news or watch television to find out what was going on. Um, So the very next day, the French air force, um, a pilot flew over and spotted the wreckage And it was another day before paratroopers were able to reach the crash site, which which was in Niger and confirmed that there were no survivors. Mm. Two days later, the troopers found remnants of a bomb, confirming the suspicion that the plane had been taken down by a suitcase bomb. Oh, goodness. So an investigation began and they hauled 15 tons of debris from the crash site, which the Tanier Desert is the most remote desert in the sahara it's uh, about the size of france so it is very very remote difficult to get to and just miserable was it under french control is that why the french sent air force i no it was not okay yeah so it was determined that the bomb was planted by six libyan terrorists who were convicted of the crime in absentia in 1999 and here's a her name I'm going to butcher, but who cares? He was an it's asshole. It's a terrorist. Cur- <laughs> Colonel Muammar M- 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 Gaddafi. Gadda- Gadda- yeah, Gaddafi. Gadda- 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 that that Gaddafi. Tass- oh, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, he, I- I've heard that name.
0: Yeah, right. right we Gadda- know who that, I- Libyans be blowing up some planes. Right. So he would not extradite those responsible to France, probably because the mastermind of the whole plot was his brother-in-law, oh, Abdullah well, Senussi uh and the fuck him right yeah the the motive was determined to be revenge against france for siding with chad during the Chadian libyan conflict that had lasted from 78 until 1987 rude yeah bunch of assholes um libya refused to admit responsibility even though so so even though this abdullah senussi was the fucking head of libyan intelligence (laughs) they were not at fault of course not but they did pay 34 million dollars to compensate the families of the victims interesting Mm. so but but for guillem this was not this was not the outcome he wanted right he fought for years to get libya to accept responsibility for the bombing and provide greater compensation to the families of the victims he collected information on all of the victims and formed a group, and I've translated it because it was in French, Families of the UTA DC-10 Bombing. Okay. He traveled to Libya in 2003 to negotiate with the country's leaders about greater compensation for the victims' families. He said, quote, we were not asking for money. I said that I could not give a price to my father's life. I would prefer Gaddafi to apologize publicly, but that was not going to happen. So if it was a fair amount, I would accept it
1: i wonder if he has to carry his balls and checkout and yeah. check you know or does he have to yeah. check those because that's some <laughs> balls
0: this guy is just unbelievable all this kill stuff. his daddy watch this right shit. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he negotiating the terms proved even more difficult as libya did not want to pay the same amount for african victims as for the western <gasps> victims. what so their price, they valued oh. Western lives above African lives. Oh, fuck uh-uh. you, Libya. Oh, well, I'm yeah. sure
1: Libya is a wonderful country. Muammar Gaddafi sucked. Yes. They still him
2: is, a couple how years do you, ago. How yeah. do you say such a thing? That is Right. Horrific. He was- a fucking, he, he was not yeah. a good dude.
0: Right. So, so it doesn't surprise me that he said God. that. No, Guillaume didn't fuck around though. In January good. 2004, he got Libya to agree to pay $170 million to the families of the crash victims, which would grant $1 million to each. So for each victim, Oh, good. Okay. Got a million dollars. Um, and it took eight years and thousands of miles of travel, but eventually, uh, the foundation that Guillaume set up to handle the process of distributing payments was able to connect with, uh, every victim's family. And out of those 170 families, only 10 refused to accept payment, including the seven Americans. Um, oh. They did their own class action lawsuit, and, okay. but but that refused refused yeah. the money from Libya. Yeah. So it was at this time that Guillaume asked the foundation for additional funding to pursue building a monument for the victims. All that money they got had a ton of interest on it, so there was the funds there right. that they could do something like this. Um, this was a major undertaking in and of itself, as that region of the Tanier desert was home to al-qaeda groups um and highly recommended that you don't travel there if you're from a western nation yeah um and as i mentioned the Tanier desert is the most remote part of the sahara temperatures there reach 122 degrees fahrenheit
1: whoa i miserable
0: right water is also very hard to come by there are wells but they're hundreds of miles apart and the nearest city to the crash site is 400 miles away wow. Jesus. Mm-hmm. so wild. despite all of this Guillaume received permission from niger and local tribal leaders to venture to the crash site and in 2007 he and two other victims relatives made the trek to the location wow. um So major parts of the wreckage had been taken away during the investigation, Mm -hmm. but after traveling for three days, Guillaume's group came upon the first signs of wreckage, and like there's a quote that he said in the article, it's like there's dinosaur fossils, there's weapons from history and then there is all of this wreckage wow. there's suitcases that are still right. there because yeah. you know they only took away parts of the plane that they couldn't take their personal effects right right yeah. so they did, they left that there there's parts of the planes where people's body ha- bodies had melted into the steel that Ugh. was left um Ugh. right so so it was there was a lot still there um the group also found what uh, a makeshift memorial that had been made by colleagues of three Exxon workers who had been killed in the crash. So they took the starboard wing and they attached a plaque with those three victims names and tried to anchor it upright, but right. it, it had been knocked over. They didn't get it anchored correctly. Yeah. Sandstorms,
1: um, all of that. Right. right.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so Guillaume decided, okay, we've got to include this wing in this memorial right we're putting together tabitha (laughs) she's that's her opinion on it she's she's incensed exactly the memorial site itself was located six miles from the crash site they wanted to maintain the sanctity of the crash site since obviously it's it's bodies yeah Yeah. there are bodies there um and they also wanted this memorial to be visible to planes flying over so they needed to kind of be in a flight path yeah um According to the BBC article I mentioned earlier, Guillaume was, quote, inspired by the Aero Postal, the pioneering company that delivered mail to French colonies in the 1920s and used large stone circles to navigate across the Sahara, end quote. So the, the memorial, his idea was to consist of a life-size silhouette of a DC-10 mm-hmm. pointing north towards Paris, Aww. surrounded by black stones. So, oh, that's going to make me cry. The, I know. the plane <laughs> itself the form is all sand but the black stones are kind of the outline oh. on the outside of the stone circle there are 170 broken mirrors oh. to uh the sunlight to, yeah, yeah and to commemorate those 170 lives oh. um and the stones itself to pick a compass and the right wing that had been used by the Exxon workers sits at the north point of the memorial oh. towards paris Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I just looked up a picture. Wow. It's so, it it, it is intense. It took, um, 140 workers, including residents of three nearby tribes, six weeks to build the memorial. And it was, the rocks were placed hand by hand. So everything was done that way. And the rocks were hauled hauled in by truck. Oh, wow. Um, and, And another thing that was, was interesting is, uh, they, they said in the article that caravans of travelers would come through and stop and say you know see what they were doing and to kind of commemorate what they were doing and you know honestly for necessity too they dug a well right there on the caravan trail so there's water there and they're giving life back to the desert by providing oh that's nice Um, Nice. so a year after the memorial was finished Guillaume was shocked to learn that the image was picked up on google earth and even today, you can see a good portion of the mor- memorial that has not been reclaimed by just Googling it and looking mm-hmm. at it on Google Earth. And, you know, for him, it was really bringing closure to this mm-hmm. you know, horrific event that happened. You know, no one is really ever going to see this. It's still a very remote part of Africa. Yeah, you, Westerners should not be traveling there. And if you right. do... You have to have permission and, you know, it just takes a lot to get there, but it's there and you can see it from space and it it will eventually be reclaimed by the desert. Right. I I think some pictures, uh, some more recent pictures, half of the, the back end of the plane has Mm -hmm. been removed because of the sand, but it's still just such a powerful image to see that. Um, and of course I've got one of the good satellite photos that we'll share, um, on our socials, but yeah. So that is the story of flight 772. Wow. That is beautiful. And that is, I love though, that it's
2: so remote and it's Mm -hmm. right. But yeah, you can see it from space. That's right. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. That's a tough story. And again, people who fly over it can look down and see it and, you know, it, it's intense, yeah, yeah. That is intense. Mm-hmm. And there's so, and there's there was still money left over after even all of this, and so uh Guillaume it actually led to his divorce. So it was very sad on his part because he had spent his whole life working toward this, right. and his wife was like, "This is enough." But he started a foundation that works against terrorism in France. That's uh, good with the remaining yeah. funds. So you know he just if it wasn't for this guy i don't really think anything would have re- really ever happened because he was the driving force behind this yeah not only the memorial but getting these people uh you know he wanted compensated the
1: ap- yeah right he wa-
0: he wanted the apology and he wanted them to take responsibility but at least right. you know he was able to do something and and all the time it took him to to investigate and make sure that these people were actually relatives was right. just mm-hmm. insanity yeah. like that it took took that long to get it all cleared up and get the right family members paid. Just That is an yeah, incredible amount is, of work. That incredible. is.
1: Especially, I mean, in places like Chad that aren't necessarily always friendly. It depends mm. on what's going on there, you know? And so, and it can be hard to track people down because as far as they know, because their family member was on that plane, now they're on a hit
2: list or something. Yeah, I mean, I would you know? be afraid of that. Yeah, and and I would think language barriers too, right? Like mm-hmm. Distance, all that kind of stuff. and Oh I mean, yeah, this t- the plane crash happened in eighty nine, right? Right. So, so it's, it's not, not like, like you can send out a chain email,
1: right? Exactly. Right. Um. Now the Libyans were they behind the
0: Lockerbie crash too? There was another crash. I can't remember because there was there were a or hijacking that, rather that they one. had taken credit for something else but i can't remember which one it was that I'm i uh, google it yeah hit the google machine we're gonna google it
2: i'm googling pan am flight 103
0: uh no it was uh what was it hold on uta no locker, this locker, is B. locker B. yeah
2: locker this B. is the bombing because oh, it happened okay. in scotland yeah it did the deadliest terrorist attack in the history of the uk happened in 1988
1: yeah i can't remember
2: if it was libya or iran yes libyan mm-hmm. okay well you found that faster than me yeah hey yeah because gaddafi is accepting responsibility for that one too
1: yeah he was a dick um yep. and if you didn't know he got shot to death in the streets by his own
0: right patrol, D- so. didn't they call right. his ass out murder him
1: they did they Good did job fuck Gaddafi
2: mm-hmm. you know but that's one of those things I was just thinking it's really sad when you can't bury your own loved ones right yeah because they are so all They're the gone. way in the middle of nowhere yeah. and as you say their bodies are melting mm-hmm, um, right but I mean that's something like to me I think of and I don't want to liken it to COVID because it's not the same thing but it's similar like I really wish this country would have some kind of COVID memorial like
1: I uh, yeah it would mean it's a lot be to a me a few years before they probably do
2: probably because and I, I want all the names on there like mm-hmm. i know some people who have done local ones and not like right not for people who died in that area it's literally it they open up to everyone so i've always sent my dad's name in since he died from covid but i'm like i want his name somewhere i want to be able to go right. somewhere that is a national and that's oh i went on a spiel about it today i really want there to be recognition and honor for these people who you know died during covid and all mm-hmm. this so yeah it's right. important to me i think that we yeah do put i mean that's something like for these big tragedies yeah right. well that's
1: like the aids quilt and like mm-hmm. the aids epidemic and you know everyone we kind of lost from yeah. that um that's why you know tabby
2: tabby skulls and problems
1: when is she not coughing? It's problems? like it's, it's, it's the bedtime. end of the episode. It's Tabby like it's shenanigans. Bent, exactly. That's how
2: you know we're wrapping up an episode is because Tabby starts raising is like,
1: Well, she's, you know, she's an old lady and she's That's like. That's okay fuck this shit we're going to bed i understand Um, it's been a tough week with them for them because i've been putting shit in boxes all week Mm -hmm. and they're like what are you up to yeah i'm like oh we're going on a trip this weekend they're gonna hate it but it's gonna be fine Yeah, get
0: get the hang of it yeah so yeah all right so if you would like to send us an email. You can always reach out to cemetery row pod at gmail.com or you can follow us on social media. <laughs> Sheena, are, you're just looking, sorry. You can follow us on social media at cemetery. <laughs> row pod. You just kind of made a funny look to your left, right? Well, I Is was it McDuff? No, it's really not. I was actually, I don't know what I was just thinking.
2: Oh, I'll tell you what I was thinking. I was looking at my bed thinking we need to tell them to leave us a review, but to be nice about it. Uh, well, there you go. We just did also
1: it. don't take too much Ritalin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, sorry, I did that today. I got really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, and you can like like us there and follow us for all our shenanigans. And again, leave us a review, but don't nice be, one. Yeah, don't be too mean. We're, we're come, sensitive. Come to
2: my online tour of yes. Elmwood, um, and I think our next top is our next topic.
0: Tennessee or yes I think yes oh we're yes. doing Tennessee next okay I have no idea I was asking uh, it was either celebrities or Tennessee so we can do yeah Tennessee. we can do we- either one I yeah. was gonna say let's ask the listeners but no <laughs> we're, we're gonna do what we want right we have
2: Tennessee as our next topic. okay sort Tennessee. of similar to our Mississippi Mysteries mm-hmm. episode we are going to look into um, all of the different states that make up these great Americas yeah what what even sentence was that and <laughs> we're going to highlight some interesting stories from those states
1: there may or yes. may not be a grave involved so yes. just yes. know that and remove your panties from a wad. thank you
2: <laughs> <laughs> and right. on that note good night everyone good night Bye. Bye.